author of the week coming up. It, this is a re-release with additional information and a book signing that will be coming up at ABC Books on North Glenstone, not this Saturday, but the following. So that author of the week will be coming up here in a couple of moments. The America Transmissions Talk and Text Line 447-KSGF. Scramblers tomorrow, sponsored by Affordable Towing. And we do have live video stream from the KSGF studio on the days we are in studio, which is Monday through Thursday, should you want to watch that current as it airs or after it is finished airing you can uh do that and that's thanks to springfield raps on facebook just look up 1041 nick reed and you will find it uh before we do get an update on the weather let's go ahead and check the latest news good morning i'm color 10's jesse inman authorities in taney county are looking for a vehicle involved in a hit and run that put a woman in the hospital This happened last night on Highway 76 in Kirbyville. According to State Patrol, a vehicle hit a woman on the right edge of the westbound lane and then left the scene. The woman was taken to a hospital in Springfield with moderate injuries, and authorities don't have a description of the vehicle. We'll let you know when we learn more. And a heads up for drivers who've been taking detours all week as crews work to repair that major sinkhole on James River Freeway. There is a chance that lanes could be reopened sooner than tomorrow's target date. MoDOT had to dig out 20 to 30 foot deep in that hole to make repairs. They also had to excavate three lanes and a shoulder. From Color 10 News, I'm Jesse Inman. And that first alert forecast sponsored by St. Clair of the Ozarks Home Improvements from Color 10, Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt. Mostly sunny, a high near 82 for the day with a 50% chance of showers after 8 o'clock tonight. Overnight low of 64. Tomorrow, 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms throughout the day. High near 80 and Saturday, a 40% chance of showers. With a high near 83, Sarah Myers. Thank you. I want to tell you about my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance. Beatles is spelled B-E-A-D-L-E-S, and they specialize in home repairs and maintenance. Now, whenever something unexpected pops up around your house, it can be kind of frustrating because you have to deal with that, and then you have to find a good, reputable company. And that is why I love to recommend my friends over at Beatles Property Maintenance. I've used them for just so many different repairs around my house, from crawl space repairs to uh, vapor barrier installs to uh, some items that needed to be addressed in my carport. And then we also did some upgrading around my house as well. I got brand new kitchen flooring and I got new lighting installed in there as well. So Beatles does a variety of home repairs. So if you find yourself needing someone to help with mold remediation, water restoration, bathroom remodels, deck repairs, you name it, Beatles Property Maintenance can probably help you out with it. So you can give Bruce and his team a call today and you can find all of that contact information for Beatles Property Maintenance under the Sarah's Indoor Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. All right, coming up, author of the week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. (laughs) 
Freefield's Talk 104.1. I am Nick Reed, and it is Thursday, which, of course, means Author of the Week, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone. And every so often, of course, we'll have authors that revisit. I mean, I've been doing this, gosh, over 13 years now. ABC Books had Author of the Week sponsored before I even got here. So every so often, you have an author that has a new book, or there is a re-release of a book with additional information, and that happens to be what we have today. And also, in addition to that, a book signing coming up at ABC Books, Saturday, September 30th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. So not this Saturday, but the following Saturday, Brian Brown, author, joins us. Gone in the Night, the Springfield Three, which I don't think there's anyone, maybe someone who just moved to Springfield or the Springfield area uh, may not know, but uh, Springfield Three is synonymous with Springfield. There have been numerous uh, documentaries made, books written, and uh, you've got a re-release with some additional information. But just the, the your book itself that was released, I think a couple of years ago, if I'm correct on that, um, I know everyone always yeah. seeks to, you know, have some additional new information that maybe wasn't there before. That that initial book, for those who haven't read it, what is it that uh, that readers can expect to learn that maybe they don't know or they haven't learned over the years? Yeah, so uh, really, if you're someone who has heard a little bit about uh, the, the three missing women from Springfield, but you, you maybe don't remember the full story, or you knew it well 30 years ago, uh, but haven't uh, revisited it in a long time. Um, this really is a, a great book to, um, to sort of catch you up to speed and uh, teach you really why this is something that uh, has meant so much to people from Springfield, Missouri, uh, why it meant so much to people 30 years ago, but, you know, also why it, it still means a lot today. Um, you know, there are people who uh, went to school with the, the two girls um, who went missing and, you know, the, the mother um, of one of those girls, uh, you know, back in 1992 uh, when uh, this actually happened. And, um, you know, there are people who were co-workers and uh, there's a lot of people who are still around who remember the case, remember the impact that it had. And, um, and so I think that, that that colors how, you know, the case is viewed by locals. And if you're new to the Springfield area or, again, just um, haven't looked at that case in a long time, our book, I think, does a really good job of, you know, highlighting, uh, you know, all the players in the case, um, and and really spelling out why this case is so emotional for people and and why it's been so uh, hard to solve and, and hasn't been solved in over 30 years. I should ask, uh, what made you decide to to write the book in the first place? Right. So uh, I had helped my dad with a book uh, called Lake Honor uh, back in uh, 2020. Uh, right at the beginning of the pandemic when uh, it seemed like the whole world had shut down for a few weeks there. And um, we have a, a small marketing business here in St. Louis that I helped him run. And, uh, you know, business had dropped off and he had had an idea for, uh, you know, a, a follow-up book. Um, he had written a book called Children of the Carnival 
that featured, uh, you know, the fictional detective Booger McLean, and he wanted to write a book about this case that he knew at Lake of the Ozarks, um, and or uh, not Lake of the Ozarks, College of the Ozarks. I'm I'm sorry, and he talked with me about maybe writing that book together, and we we decided to do that, and we wrote it really fast. We wrote it in about six weeks, and and then business started picking back up and life started returning a little bit to normal. Um, but he had really enjoyed that process. I think we both did. And uh, so we got to talking about, you know, other famous cases in the Ozarks that this fictional detective could, um, you know, could, could uh, investigate. And, you know, I think if you're wanting to put together uh, an Ozarks detective series, which was really, you know, the goal of, of my dad. And I wanted to help him with that. Um, the biggest case that there is in the Ozarks, uh, is the story of the three missing women. So we got to talking about, um, how we might do that because obviously that's a, a very real case and, uh, we've got a fictional detective, um, but the more we got to talking about it, we thought that there was a way, you know, to do this, that it would still sort of retain a good heart to it, um, you know, and, and also let people know about the case and, and what's happened and where things are. And so basically in the book, I embark on this journey uh, with the fictional detective and his fictional wife uh, to... Uh, to try to solve the case. And, you know, we work together and, and uh, um, you know, so the, the, the narrative sort of takes off from there. Um, and I've had a few different people reach out to me uh, and, and people who I'm close to who, who said, well, I didn't know about how this was set up, you know, with it not being a, a nonfiction book. Right. Um, if that was something that, uh, you know, would bother me or not. And I've just been so pleased and so surprised and happy, um, you know, for the, the people who have reached out to us and who got it, you know, who got what we were trying to do and who felt like the book really was, um, you know, doing what it was designed to do, which was, you know, really to, to, to keep this case open, to help people understand why it hasn't been solved um, to spell out the main characters and, um, you know, to hopefully uh, drum up new leads for investigators there in Springfield, which I feel confident that, um, that it did. When we released that book in September uh, 2020, uh, we pretty quickly started getting um, messages from people who said that they knew mm -hmm. things and, um, you never know when you're dealing with right. the general public sometimes what that looks like. But um, I had a, a contact with the Springfield Police Department um, who was connected to the case. And, I, you know, I sent him a, a bunch of different, uh, you know, potential leads. Um, and, you know, nothing has the case is still open. It's still still nothing has been solved. Um, and it's hard to know how much they knew, um, you know, before anyway, but, uh, but yeah, ultimately, you know, the, the goal is, uh, 
you know, two part to, to sort of further this Ozark detective series and to keep that case open and, and uh, or, you know, to keep people looking and, and trying to figure out what had happened. Um, we had always hoped that we might be able to prompt, you know, more action from other people. And, and so I, I think we're doing that. We're talking with our author of the week, Brian Brown. The book is Gone in the Night, the Springfield Three. He will be doing a book signing at ABC Books. Not this, but the following Saturday, September 30th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. I know you articulated it, but just for people who may be a bit confused, because particularly with movies, there's based on a true story, inspired by a true story, is the best description of this, it's... You, you wanted to get all the factual information out there, but in a way that maybe was just a little more conducive with, I, I don't know, just reading. It was less dry, so you utilized uh, the private investigator character as a vehicle to provide the factual information to the reader. Is that, is that a good description? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, that, that was the goal, and, and we've been glad that it's been received that way. Um, you know, by so many people, because, yeah, it, it is sort of a, a, a tricky setup. But I think that we did what we intended to do, which is, you know, to be able to sort of present all the facts of the case. And they are, um, you know, we, we stay completely true to the facts of the case in the book. Um, you know, so if you could care less about the fictional detective, mm-hmm. uh, this book is still for you uh, because it really does a good job, I think, of, you know, highlighting all the all the people who were involved and, um, you know, what happened with the women, what we know, um, where the case might have kind of gone off the rails. You know, there are a lot of people who were in the home of Cheryl Levitt, uh, you know, the morning after they had disappeared. And um, that complicated things for investigators. Um, you know, we talk a lot about that. And, you um, you know, uh, all of the suspects, we we give, uh, you know, big, broad descriptions of, um, you know, all the suspects and what was happening with them. So, yeah, we uh, didn't have the time or, or really the inclination to do a full nonfiction book where, mm-hmm. you know, we're out there actually interviewing, you know, all of the, the people involved. Right. Um, but we wanted to do this. Uh, you know, in a way that was fresh, that was new, um, and that kept the the story moving. And, and so, I really do think it's a very it's a very good and, and engaging uh, book, whether you like nonfiction or fiction. Yeah, um, people who have no connection to the case itself, other than living here and have living through the news reports and the coverage of it. There's still theories. I mean, I remember over the years, just any time this comes up, well, you know, well, I heard this and and this and so forth. In your conversations with people that were closer and had direct connection to um, the the Springfield Three, did you find that there's a difference in theory, if you will, and idea? Well, here's what I think happened. Who here is who I think is responsible, or or did you? Was it a lot of of the same uh, theories coming from those who did have direct connections with the Springfield Three versus the general public at large that just gathered information from the television and the newspapers? 
Right, right. There definitely was a, you know, a a mix of of different opinions about, you know, what's happened, um, what leads have been pursued by police and and what leads haven't. Um, With this re-release that we're doing, uh, you know, and and the book is out now, so it's already available at ABC Books and and, uh, Amazon and all that, but with this re-release, uh, I was able to do an epilogue interview with Janice McCall. She is, you know, really the face of the case, so to speak, for uh, Springfieldians in that she was sort of a representative of the families um, that was willing to talk to the police and, 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 the, and the media. Um, so she was, she's been widely seen over the years and always trying to keep um, you know, the story alive and, and talking with her, you know, that's still the goal. I mean, she thinks, uh, you know, when I had initially talked with her, she, she thinks that, uh, you know, one of the suspects who we outline in the book as being really the main suspect, um, you know, she thinks that that's probably likely. But then also when we did the interview, uh, you know, she was quick to say that, she thinks that police might have focused too much on that one person um, and that, uh, you know, that there were other avenues that maybe weren't pursued. Um, She thinks that it's possible that uh, a police officer or a cop or or, or someone posing as a cop, uh, you know, might have been the person to uh, break into the Levitt home and, and abduct the women. Um, you know, there's theories that there were multiple people involved. There's theories that there was just uh, one. Um, and the book really does try to sort of outline all of the, the major theories of, of what's happened. Well, I appreciate you uh, revisiting with us. And for those who did get the book the first time around, I would encourage them with this re-release, having that interview uh, there at the end of the book will be some additional information and uh, potentially some insight as well. Our author of the week, Brian Brown, sponsored by ABC Books on North Glenstone, the book Gone in the Night, Springfield 3, as he mentioned, is currently available at ABC Books, and he will be doing a book signing, not this, but next Saturday, September 30th, from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., at ABC Books. For Springfield's Talk 1041, I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the Morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. Hey everyone, I'm Nick Reed. I wanted to quickly read you three recent reviews of my good friends at Garage Experts. I saw a uh, photo in, I was at the eye doctor. And looking through a 417 magazine, and I don't know how old it was, but there was uh, Mark and Shelley Long, a great little profile of them on 417 magazine, the owners of Garage Experts. Side said, our garage looks so nice, we may start hosting our family parties in the garage now. Shane saying, the guys are great, they do quality work, they stand behind their jobs. I am a Garage Experts customer for life. These are real folks here in the area. Uh, Alan noting that everyone from sales to installers were very professional. They did an excellent job transforming my garage. You hear the term transform quite frequently from customers of garage experts. And that's a much different word than update or upgrade or improve or enhance transform because that's really truly what is done. It is a transformation. 
And you can see my transformation on our Facebook page, 1041 Nick Reed. Look under videos and, and you can see that transformation. Now, if you go to garage or go to KSGF.com under Nick's endorsements with Garage Experts, you'll see a video where I talk with Mark and Shelly about exactly what it is they do, what sets them apart. And that, of course, again, is Garage Experts. Cannot recommend them enough for your garage transformation. There have been a couple of stories that I thought were interesting Well, the feedback, particularly from people on the left that were interesting. And people on the left are emotionally driven individuals. That's Some people, they, they, they say, well, because they're on the left, they're emotionally driven. And I, I see it the other way around. Because they're emotionally driven, that makes them politically and socially a lefty. Uh, it's it's like a, a vehicle that has gas and an accelerator, but no steering wheel. The steering wheel is your mind. The steering wheel is intellectualism. And politically speaking, people who are further to the left, it's they've they've got the accelerator, oftentimes all the way to the floor, but no steering wheel whatsoever as opposed to the intellectually curious, which tend to be much more conservative in nature, they have an accelerator. Sometimes there is gas given, but they have a steering wheel. And the steering wheel is, is under, you know, is, is what controls the emotion, not for the sake of control, but you use your mind, your intellect. Okay, I'm angry about this, um, but let's figure it out. You know, what works? What doesn't work? Because of the emotional component to people on the left, they seek out anytime there's somebody they disagree with or something they disagree with, they try to just discredit. Like they just turn mean. It's going on right now with the guy that the the um, uh, the movie about the sex trafficking Sound of Freedom is based on. You know, they're they're out to try to destroy him, claiming that he's a sex offender or something. And they're, they're, the reason they do it is because, you know, they just want to discredit the recognition that there's child sex trafficking, which you may see. Why would people on the left want sex trafficking to continue? Because conservatives are against it and they hate conservatives. And so we have to pretend that that crisis is not occurring. One of the other individuals that we have seen come under a tremendous amount of attack, of course, is Oliver Anthony. The blue-collar guy that wrote a song, Rich Men North of Richmond, is hitting out at, at government. A couple of weeks ago, it was revealed that he was set to perform at a, an establishment, uh, I think it was in Tennessee, Kentucky or Tennessee, and he canceled it because he found out that the owner or manager, someone in authority of the establishment was charging people like 200 bucks for a meet and greet. And he had evidently said, well, no, you know, I, I, I'll meet fans for free. And then he found out that they were trying to charge people for that. And so he canceled that. And I watched people on the left gleefully thinking that they were making some brilliant point here. Viewing what they thought was the ironic situation that people who were capitalist pr that who praised Oliver Anthony Oliver Anthony has a fan base with capitalists anti-government capitalists and here 
he is shunning capitalism. That here this establishment is simply using capitalism and here the hero of the capitalist is shunning capitalism. They thought, oh, this is just hysterical. Now, of course, it once again demonstrates that their emotional hysteria has forbidden them to actually understand what capitalism is. And that is exactly what Oliver Anthony was doing. Capitalism, ultimately is people who have goods and services freely able to and willing to, if they want, engage with other people in exchange goods and services of, of for either other goods and services, services or for money. Capitalism is exactly what ha- That's not anti-capitalism. That is capitalism. When Oliver Anthony is engaging with a company or a business, a bar, an establishment, and then he finds out that they're doing something that he does not want to be part of, and so he chooses to say, nope, this relationship's not going to continue. That is capitalism. That's not in defiance of. That is, by definition, capitalism. People freely deciding upon themselves whether or not they want to engage with other people based on what the other people are offering in terms of goods and services or monetary, you know, value. And I, I, it just it was perfect uh, watching the illustration of again people on the left that just try and destroy people that they don't like simply because they disagree with them or because people that they disagree with like that person but then demonstrate that they once again have no concept of what they're actually even talking about you're listening to nick reed in the morning on springfield's talk 1041 scramblers tomorrow friday road show sponsored by affordable towing Today, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays in studio, we stream on Facebook, 1041 Nick Reed. That is sponsored by Springfield Wraps. They wrapped our studio, you can see. First alert forecast from Color 10 Fox 49 meteorologist Tom Schmidt, sponsored by Navant. Employee benefits that work. Sunny day mostly, anyhow, today. With a high of 82 with a 50% chance of showers, thunderstorms tonight, mainly after 8 p.m. A low overnight of around 64. 60% chance of showers and thunderstorms throughout the day. Mostly sunny with a high near 80. And Saturday, a 40% chance of showers. Otherwise, mostly sunny with a high near 83. Uh, Sarah Myers, question. Did you I see... I know I know you're in the middle of something. That's, that's okay. Right, that's I have an answer. Right. Um, did you see the local... Okay, you remember the, the uh, jet that got lost? Mm-hmm. Remember? And... Then it was somewhere over South Carolina. They evidently were, were told they found the debris field. We haven't really heard much right. since then, but whatever. Uh, did you see the local news report where they interviewed a resident who lived in that area? It seemed like a pretty rural area, uh, and he he evidently heard it. He was in his house, I think, brushing his teeth, and he heard or he heard the he heard a sound of what he would later believe to be that jet and a loud boom. Have you seen or heard mm-hmm. this? No. All right. So I'm going to play this. This is the well, part of a local news report in which they interview this individual who describes what it is that he heard while in his home. Randolph White retired from his job at the paper mill in Georgetown 10 years ago. 
He lives in this house with his wife in a very rural area of Williamsburg County. He loves living about two miles away from where he grew up. Normally, it's pretty quiet, but on Sunday afternoon... I was in the, uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching, saw that between a screech and a whistle. I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom. Then my whole house shook. Now, we'll get the video posted because it is just as good, if not even better, with video of the guy. This is going a bit viral as every so often it seems like these local news reports that always involve interviewing a witness to something. And I don't know how this is going to be perceived. Am I the only one that thinks that the best local TV interviewees are people of color? (laughs) They are always like the absolute most animated, best storytelling individual. Every, it doesn't it seem like all of those memes or all of the viral local TV interviews of somebody that they're just and it's not laughing at them. It's like they're just there's they're characters. Mm-hmm. They're the sort of person that you're like if, if you know them and you're going somewhere and they're like, oh, yeah, Freddie's going to be there. Like, oh, well, we know we're going to have a good time then because that guy is an absolute hoot. I, white white people just aren't able. I don't that I can think of off the top now, of my head. I've got one off the top of my head. Okay. Do you remember that report? Uh, it was like a vicious dog attack. It wasn't here locally, but I know you have probably watched the video. Mm. And it's this kind of elderly guy. He's probably oh the two. It looks like a farmer and yes, wife, and he does uh, a rah, 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 yes. That, that is good. That yes, is a that's good, one. good. Now, so but in my mind, there's the I ain't got time for that gal. Mm-hmm, remember yep, her? Yep. I mean that. Be- that was my yeah. That was my first thought there's backup charlie or no, no not backup charlie terry. backup terry that uh Af- black woman black guy there was another one i think it was was it the guy who was interviewed he called 911 when those remember the three girls that had been held hostage in that guy's house oh, for uh, years yeah, yeah, yeah. and there was a, a guy in the neighborhood and it was a predominantly black neighborhood and, yes, and he called 911. that guy was really entertaining and there's just there's a, there is a I don't know what it is if it's cultural if it's personality trait that that when it comes to local TV interviews the absolute best ones that you find are people of color the, and the There's hide some, your kids hide your wife guy remember him oh yeah what was that one that what was, was that about it was a, a like an attempted rape yeah yep do you remember uh, yeah. that there there are a number of them. I, though, had forgotten the one, the two people and the guy, he did the dog barking thing, and, <laughs> and they looked like they were in their 80s. Uh-huh. That was a pretty good one, too. But I, I saw this, and I was not, as soon as I saw a posting of an, you know, and it was interview going viral of, and I, I thought, I, I knew at least the, I, just the whole feel of it. You've got it, the video, too. Have you seen the video over there yet? No, you I'm going to pull yeah, it Yeah, watch the video. The video, it's just probably what you would expect. It is hilariously entertaining. And I'm telling these people, it's just, can you imagine having a get-together and you pull all of these people that did these interviews together and you sit around and have drinks with them? What an absolute enjoyable evening that would be. You're listening to Talk Nick Reed in the Morning I'm Nick on Reed. Springfield's Talk 1041. <laughs> 
And now a word from Sarah Meyer. Thank you. Well, if you are in the market to purchase a new vehicle soon, but you're wanting that longer test drive than what you get at the dealership, I recommend my friends over at Avis, the car rental company, and their long-term rental program. Now, the long-term rental program, it's a it's a pretty interesting concept because you have no vehicle maintenance fees, no more trips to the DMV. And if you do get into a vehicle that you realize, you know what, this is not what I want, or maybe uh, you're moving from fall to winter and you want something that's a little bit more capable, you can swap out vehicles every couple of months if you wish to do so. And Avis, they really do have a variety of vehicles from uh, Ford F-250s to Chevy Bolt EVs to even sports cars. So they really do have something for every lifestyle. Now, if you want more information on the long-term rental program, just swing by the Avis store here in Springfield. It's located off of Fort and Sunshine, and you can speak to Lauren. And as always, you can find all of the contact information for Avis under the Sarah's Endorsements tab at ksgf.com. This looks like an interesting text as I just read the first few words of it, but let's read it out loud together, shall we, for the first time. Uh, Nick, this may sound like semantics, but I never used the term capitalism. Capitalism was a very divisive term used by Karl Marx in his Communist Manifesto. What you're describing is capitalism should be called the free market. The free market is what Marx hated with a passion. Uh, no, I know what you're saying. I've actually talked about, well, not the Karl Marx component to this before, but what, you know, the terminology of capitalism and, and it isn't my favorite term to use. I agree. Free market system does sound much better. The, the, the reason I actually, in that context was using capitalism is because that's what the people on the left were using in their conversation. We were talking about Oliver Anthony and how he had, there was a news story about he was booked uh, at a venue and then he found out that the people who ran the venue were charging people for a meet and greet after he had said he didn't want to charge people. And so he canceled that event. And people on the left were mocking supporters of him that were capitalists claiming that here he was pushing back against capitalism because that's all that the business owner was participating in. And what I was noting is, no, capitalism is people making the decision financially with goods and services with whom they want to engage. So that wasn't anti-capitalism with him deciding to pull out. That was capitalism. So that's what we were talking about. And yeah, and, and you're right. Capitalism has, as a term, been demonized. And I do think that it can over be overly complicated. I, I will say, as this is what I've talked about before. Where capitalism, if you will, is different than all of these other philosophies, these political philosophies like Marxism and socialism and communism and and fascism and so forth, is those are these planned ideas that were thought up in a way by people on how things should be run right they're in the minds of people who who have decided that when it comes to the relationship between people and goods and services that there is a perfect way to construct those relationships and that it should be done by some overseer 
and, you know, give it a name, be it fascism or communism or socialism and, and so forth. And then it gets implemented. It is a it is a uh, an action that is implemented. And there are rules that are put in place that individuals, who you know, want to abide by capitalism is not and has never been that or the free market system, if you will. It is the natural, organic result of freedom, human freedom, of human rights. So, for example, I'm a human, and it is forever and a day ago, and I live in a cave, and I have a wife, and one of the things that I am really good at is hunting. I have a neighbor in another cave who's not really that great at hunting. It's okay. But he, he, he's not as good as I am, and, and frankly, he doesn't enjoy it. And his cave wife is always griping at him about how uh, our family always has much better meals, and why can't he be more like me and so forth. But at the same time, her husband, who's not that good at hunting, he's great at, um, at creativity and artistry, and he has managed to figure out how to make paint out of berries and plants. And his cave is painted nicely. Ours just is drab. And my wife is always saying, why can't, you, why can't our cave look like their cave? Like, I don't know how to do that. So what do we do? What's the natural, organic thing that results from that? Without anybody creating any sort of framework, I say to him, if you paint my cave... I'll hunt for you for a month. Now, ultimately, that is what becomes, if you will, capitalism. It is human beings who are not just willing, but desire to provide something to someone in exchange for something that they are willing to provide in exchange for what it is that I'm willing to provide. Uh, over time, of course, this can become extremely complicated because all of a sudden, well, I also want uh, some nice landscaping and you can't do that, but he can and he owes you a favor. So if I'll do this for you, if you get him to do this for me. And so you end up developing a currency that everyone can exchange. That way you can work directly with everyone um, that you want something from if they're willing to sell it to you, as opposed to having to create all these different connections and so forth. It's for the case of uh, the sake of simplicity. Now, with capitalism, of course, has ultimately, because you have people in charge that see certain things happening that they're like, hey, I don't really think that I like that. That's unfair. So we're going to come in and we're going to set some ground rules and so forth. So there are rules and regulations within capitalism, but they weren't put in place in order to make cap capitalism happen as opposed to so many of these other political philosophies that that start from a blank slate and say, all right, here's how we, as a government entity, as a central authority, are going to allow you to operate and engage with one another within this thing that we have constructed. That is where the free market system that we also call capitalism in some capacity is different than every other form. 
of economic system that exists. The capitalism comes from a completely organic scenario that is unavoidable because you're always going to have human beings that will engage with other human beings in order to get something that they have and I have something that they want. You're always going to have that. You don't have to craft or create anything for that to happen. And that's different than all the other forms. Anyway, no, I understand exactly what you're saying about the the terminology and, and how it, it has been demonized. Some could argue that instead of surrendering the terminology because it has been successfully demonized, that it's an opportunity to educate people so that they have a more correct understanding. But oftentimes that battle can become very distracting and it's like, okay, all right, just fine, whatever. We'll call it this instead. And then, you know, start the education process from there without any preconceived notions. Springfield's Talk 1041. I'm Nick Reed. You're listening to Nick Reed in the morning on Springfield's Talk 1041. A couple of you texting in saying, hey, thanks for the explanation of uh, capitalism. I got a text message from Valerie, owner of ABC Books, and she actually summarized it perfectly. All of that wordiness that I gave to it, she in just two sentences or one sentence, really. Socialism had to be invented. Capitalism did not. So absolutely, absolutely. That's it right there. That would be the headline. I played for you earlier the story of the South Carolina man who, uh, let's see, uh, uh, Randolph White, he retired paper mill worker in Georgetown, uh, lived in South Carolina, Williamsburg County, and and he he heard either the crash or something regarding that missing jet, and he was interviewed by a local television station, and we played the audio of it, and Sarah then watched the video of it, and now, given that you've seen the video of it, you want to hear the audio of it again, correct? I do. I really do. All right, so this is one of those local TV interviews gone viral. White retired from his job at the paper mill in Georgetown 10 years ago. He lives in this house with his wife in a very rural area of Williamsburg County. He loves living about two miles away from where he grew up. Normally, it's pretty quiet, but on Sunday afternoon... I was in the, uh, in the bathroom taking a shave, and I heard a, a screeching, saw that between a screech and a whistle. <laughs> I said, what in the world is this? And I heard a boom in my whole house show. <laughs> I said, what in the world is, is this? It, <laughs> isn't, isn't it when you know the, the animated way in which he, he describes it? And you have the picture in your head. It does make the audio. It uh, really does. This man is wearing a straw hat and a weighted vest. Yeah. And I'm a yard worker at his house. (laughs) (laughs) He's a he's a skinny guy. Looks like maybe weighs, you know, 140 or so. And uh, well, best you could tell it's like it's chest up, but you can kind of get a sense of it. Well, did we get the story up somewhere? If you want to see it. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's a I think this is real clear or no, no, no. Washington Free Beacon, Boz, uh, I think that's where it came from, Andrew Stiles, body positivity literally killing people, science finds, and they note that the number of heart disease deaths in the U.S. linked to obesity was three times greater in 2020 than 1999. 
even though overall heart disease deaths declined nearly 20% during that period. According to a new scientific study, uh, the scientific findings coincide with the rise of the left-wing body positivity movement, where being uh, unhealthy and, and morbidly obese is actually praised as something that is brave. And we, we even see, see like Dove and a lot of these corporations doing it. And the criticism of anyone who, uh, you know, talks about how that is unhealthy. It is just the psychotic, upside down gaslighting world that people on the left create. And um, talking about earlier, Ted Cruz predicting that Michelle Obama could be dropped in as president. And, and given that she was such a health nut and fat shamed kids, that would be one benefit or or. You know, I don't know, pleasurable aspect of Michelle Obama becoming president. Watch that conflict, uh, though, I suspect much like, as I said earlier, Biden killed off the Me Too movement with his election. I suspect that the body positivity movement would be killed off by a president, Michelle Obama. Talk to you tomorrow at Scramblers. I'm Nick Reed. Glenn Beck's next.